Hello and welcome to episode 132 of the Mandarian Orange Show. I'm Phil Vecchio. And I'm Janelle Vecchio. Hello everyone. Welcome to a very special episode. Just like family ties. It is, that's right. Uh, We have some good stuff happening. We have a very special guest on this episode. I don't want to bury the lead, so let's just get right to it. We have a fantastic guest, Mr. James Riley, as we talked about earlier, who's an awesome author, is going to be talking with us a little bit later in the show, so stick around for that. Yes, it's going to be so exciting! So I think we should uh, jump straight into it. We're going to do a quick segment of the news, and then we're going to get on to the interview. So take it away, news interstitial music thing. Ooh, so cool. I know, right? Well, uh, as usual, we love to, real quick, do some business up front in the news. We'd like to remind you guys to give us a like and a thumbs up or whatever types of things. Thumbs up. Sure, thumbs up. There's, there's places where there's thumbs ups. What? I think never... Reddit does thumbs ups. Does it? I don't know. I'm not. Reddit's so confused. I guarantee you there's something somewhere you could give us a thumbs up on, and if you do, we would appreciate it. Okay. Plus, the like on Facebook is a thumbs up. Yes, but you don't call it a thumbs up. Well, maybe someone could text a link to the episode and then follow it with a thumbs up emoji. I would think that would be fine, too. Okay. Or play it for someone in person and then just look at them and put your thumb up while they listen to it. Also, of course, we have a Facebook page, um, Mandarin Orange Show. You can find us easily there. And we have a Facebook group. We have um, Instagram. Lots of fun stuff always going on on our Instagram page, Twitter, and the other stuff like that. What news do we have? we got to talk some quick news. Anything going on that we need to address in the world today? Well, let's see. Um... I did the bills. Exciting. Not live on the show this time. No. Yeah. But it's just a super exciting week. We voted. That's important. Make sure you guys vote. Oh my gosh. Make sure you vote and do it early. This is an important election, everybody. And um, other than that, the other big thing is we did get uh, some listener mail from uh, listener and friend of the show, Ben. Mm-hmm. And um, we will be addressing that on the next episode. Ben, we got your messages. Uh, but in order to bring this one in at a somewhat reasonable time with our special interview, we're going to bump that email until next time. So we'll be addressing yes. all that stuff on the next uh, episode. So thank you for writing. If you guys would like to write us in, uh, if you got any questions or comments or jokes or top five lists of your own, you can always write to us at mandarinorangeshow at gmail.com, or you can use the Facebook contact or whatever. Yes. Find a way to message us, Instagram, you know, get in touch. And uh, with that, we're going to start our interview. That's right. And of course, since we're speaking with an amazing author, James Riley, we'll be jumping straight into our fiction book segment. What, what? You like fiction books? Fiction books is one of my favorite kinds of books. Do you like fiction? Like it? I try to love it. That's crazy. I've never met anyone else who likes fiction. So, welcome to Fiction Books, and we have a very special Fiction Books segment today. We have with us a very great guest. Please welcome Mr. James Riley. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks thanks for being here. Of course. 
We um we have spoken before on uh, an earlier podcast that I did. We actually did three interviews with you um over the course of a few years. Yes, and they were very yeah. fun. It was a lot of fun. I actually just re-listened to them all just to refresh my memory and make sure I didn't just ask you the same questions over and over again. <laughs> um, and in doing that, I realized that I've already asked you the same questions over and over again, so I'm going to try to break that cycle this time. Those are the easiest to answer, though. <laughs> Well, we're, we're coming from a whole new angle. Nice. Let's do it. So uh, tell James about fiction books. Yes, just really quick. Seg- before we fully get into discussing with you, this seg- segment is called fiction books. And there is one important rule in the fiction books segment, and that is that we speak about fiction books and nonfiction is out. Okay. So that's just our one rule. If, if you do discuss nonfiction, then, you know, we may have to I'm getting booted. call a buzzer, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So <laughs> there will be no truth. If you could, cut, yeah. cut the tape. Janelle has disrespected that rule many times. And so I just have to refresh everyone's memory about the rule. About but I would books. like to say that Phil has too, unknowingly, in Ooh. the section, he'll start talking about it. At one time, I accidentally discussed a book of essays, which <laughs> were not technically fiction so you know like greek myths don't fall under fiction either which always blows my mind because i i watched oh, this burn. I, I was looking at this thread that was like what what are the craziest non-fiction books you've read and someone's like uh all the greek myths and it's like uh yeah. yeah that's interesting could they would be in like the dewey decimal system section yeah. right Right. Interesting. Interesting. It's a loophole. Well, all right. You well, can get around it. If you, you can, can make a valid it. argument for the thing, then we, we may allow an exception. We'll, we'll see. We'll take it on a case-by-case basis. So speaking of that, what is your favorite fiction book, James? Well, real quick, before we do that, we need to, our listeners of the show oh. might not know who it is that we're speaking to, although we have talked about your books uh, multiple times on in this segment. Shows. Yes. Um, could you just tell us... Um, a little bit about your series that you've done and what you're currently working on. Of course. So I am James Riley. I've written three series at the moment. Uh, my first series was called Half Upon a Time, which was a fractured fairy tale series. Um, my second one was called Story Thieves, which is probably what most people who have heard of me would know me by. Uh, and that was the story of a half fictional girl who could jump into books. Uh, and then my newest series is called Revenge of Magic, about a school for magic in our as real a world as I could make it. And it's run by the military and like all these books of magic are found all over the world, but only kids can use them. So I've actually finished that series, but the last book won't be out until next March. Uh, and the most recent one just came out like what, three days ago or yes. something like that? I think the most recent one. Now. Yeah. That was the timeless one. And it just like time is happening now <laughs> when no one remembers what day it is. Uh, that, <laughs> that came out on Tuesday, uh, October something sixth i it's so hard to even remember i barely know when it's tuesday <laughs> yes no one knows what day it is now anyway so no. that that's close enough <laughs> yeah i was just uh responding to some uh fan questions about it they were they were really nice and saying that they enjoyed it and so uh and then they asked spoiler questions and i got to tell them that i can't tell them which is great <laughs> <laughs> well our copy is on the way we like didn't order it enough time to get it and read it before this interview but other than that i'm current so we can discuss Oh, yeah. You know, any other things. Let's spoil that, it yes. for you guys, along with everybody <laughs> yeah. else. All right. Now I'm going to ask the question. Yes. James, what is your favorite fiction book? Okay. So, very difficult question. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, the... Hi- no, wait. Oh, I think I have to go with Terran Wanderer, which is the fourth book out of five yes. 
in a series, so that's odd. But uh, yeah, it's the fourth book in a series called The Chronicles of Prydain, uh, and Taryn is the main character. It's based on Welsh fairy tales, and it's amazing. Um, he's an assistant pig keeper in the first book, which is called The Book of Three, uh, and his pig can tell the future, so everyone is trying to grab his pig, including like the big bad villain, um, and he loses his pig in like the first 20 pages, and it's amazing, it's funny, uh, but the best book, and I, it may have been the one that, not, it was either that book or like the next book, one, the Newberry, but uh, Terran Wanderer is about like a fairy tale hero who has no idea what he's supposed to do. And he like goes around and tries all these different jobs trying to figure out who he is. And it doesn't sound exciting at all, but it's the most amazing book. Uh, and it fits completely in the series and he learns so much about himself and it's just so good. And then it leads into the last book, um, which is called The High King, which might spoil some stuff. But <laughs> Well, I, uh, I read, you know, my kids love to read individually, but we also read together, you know, on a regular basis. And the series we've just been reading through is... The Chronicles of Perdane, and nice. we just finished uh, Terran Wander, and we're like a couple chapters into the High King right now. I it's my one of my all time favorite series mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, and I I would echo that the strength of that book. It's so different from the rest of the series, and yet it just is so perfect. in yeah. what it does. It's like all of a Love sudden it. he just needs this separate book to figure everything out, and it uh, it's so brave of the author Lloyd Alexander to kind of just be like, yeah, you know what, let's just do it. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's do like a one-off. I, I get very emotional when I read with the kids sometimes too. Like I'm totally a read crier. Oh yeah, and he is. So that one, especially <laughs> like when he's learning these these powerful lessons. The one that always gets me in that book is the there's a guy that um, his family lives by a river and they just collect and find whatever they find and then like they may make you know what they can out of it. And right. Taryn sees him as like super lucky because. He gets all everything he needs, and the guy's like, "I make what I need be what I have instead of like waiting for luck to find me." And it's just, it's powerful, and mm-hmm. I I weep openly yeah. when I read it. And yes, so, he does. anyway, I love I've it. read the books as well. Phil You're had good. me read them, so and I enjoyed the series very much too. Yeah, I mean, I haven't read them in way too long, and I need to like just talking about them. I need to read them again. They're fantastic. They're great. And then, um, what is your favorite nonfiction book? Janelle, <laughs> what have we told you? No. Sorry. I enjoy reading nonfiction as well. Like, actually, I probably read more nonfiction than fiction. So, Phil always, I try to slip it in. I love it, too. <laughs> because it's, I, I love a lot of books about, like, quantum physics and, like, what, how the universe is actually working. Because that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. But it almost, uh, it, it almost feels like fiction at the same time. Because it's so... Oh, okay. It's so yes, yeah, I, I loopholed. Uh, I like that. That was it's, good. It's so um, like completely out of our realm of experience, and yet it's almost like it's almost like they're talking about magic when they're talking about uh, like two quantum particles that are connected and can uh, like sense that something's happening to their their partner, even though they're billions mm-hmm. of miles in between. Like that, that's not normal life for us typically, but it's it's what's happening, and I love reading about how like I don't know. So I any of those kind of books, I don't understand them, but I love to just get into them and kind of find out what I don't know. That was good, James. Yeah, we're treading dangerously so close good. to nonfiction. But and so true. I, I can yeah. agree with you more. If you like nonfiction so much, you should start a nonfiction segment. You know? <laughs> well, I've tried. Over the years, I've tried. Oh, man. So we have another interesting thing that's been going on with our reading in our household because... Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, and everyone knows, we've been, you know, 
isolated, socially distanced, uh, quarantined, what have you, for a number of months now. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been very challenging, you know, with family because we live pretty close to, like, grandparents, mm-hmm. um, about a little over an hour away. Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, we're, everyone's trying to keep everyone safe, so we've right. all been isolating. Yeah. And... Early on in this whole situation, we came up with this cool way to stay connected, which is my dad, grandpa, to the kids, every day or pretty much every day since March has done a like video chat with our kids and with their cousin. Oh, nice. Who lives in Texas. Who lives in Texas. And they read books together. They call it the reading club, right? The Vecchio Book Club. That's amazing. Uh, That's a that's great what idea. That's listed on my, um, Vecchio book club. my Google Hangout. <laughs> and so recently, they have started reading through the Half Upon a Time series. What? They're actually on, uh, I think they're on Once Upon the End now, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and our son Luke has has this is his first read through of them and it's grandpa's first read through and um our daughter audrey i don't know how many times she's read multiple (laughs) of everything you've written i'm pretty sure (laughs) so they um they are just so excited that's amazing yeah um have you seen i've i haven't posted this many places but uh that the next series i'm working on is going to be a a spinoff from that no oh yeah tell what can we know? Uh, you can know whatever you want, frankly, because uh, I'm excited <laughs> to talk about it. Because I've been writing it, and I can't really talk too much about it. It doesn't have a title yet. I'm trying to call it Once Upon Another Time. We're going to see if Simon <laughs> and Schuster goes it. for that. Uh, it will be a spinoff in terms of um, it won't star the same characters, because I don't... You you know how it Once Upon the End ends. I don't want to yes. take that away from the characters. Like I would have to ruin that ending to be like, yeah. well, everything yeah. goes bad again. So um, it's going to be sort of a, a Force Awakens kind of thing. We're like 20 years in the future, and oh. it's going to be... The world will not be what it used to be. Um, there will be... It's the main character. I will spoil this part. Her name is Lena, and she's a giant, but she's human-sized. Almost oh. like... She's like a nice. Thumbelina for giants, which makes her <laughs> our size. So when she's in her, her own house and stuff, she's tiny. Um, and the giants don't like humans, typically. They mm-hmm. think of them as thieves in this world, uh, as we've seen. Um, right, right. And so she's had to sort of live her, her childhood uh, using some magical items to kind of make her look like a giant. She hates it because it's not who she is. And she feels like at home in the human world. Uh, and this is going to lead to some problems. So uh, I'm I'm really kind of excited. There's I I, I really want to spoil like more of it because there <laughs> there are things that lead back to the first series. You show you shouldn't need to have read the first series to understand everything, but if you've read the first series, it will all have a lot more. Like it'll it'll mean more. Like who the big villain is, who some of the uh, other characters who will be showing up, like what their their genealogy is. <laughs> I'm trying oh, not to say anything. Uh, this sounds amazing. I know. I'm, I'm excited so already. There will be connections, so but it won't be. Uh, there will never. We won't like star the original characters. Um, right. But they will be a part of it because they played a big part in sort of the fight against the Wicked Queen, which will be referenced. Um, so yes, there. This is. We're at a point in the world that um, everything they did has sort of fallen apart for various reasons, and so bad things are happening once again. 
Nice. This this is one of the things that I love about the books that you've done. And it sounds like we're continuing that way. Is that they're all, at least in some way, there's some connections between them all. And when we tell, when we recommend your books to everyone, we, I tell them all, like, you got to start at the beginning because everything will mean more to you if you do. Yeah. And even in the, the Revenge of Magic, there's a number of, I don't want to spoil and say what, but there's a number of connections back that we're like, oh, this is amazing. Thank you. Uh, I, I mean, that's I like doing that anyway. I, I, it's it's the Stephen King thing where he's like, oh, well, let me reference like, because <laughs> <laughs> right. it's I'm sure it's fun for him too. So it's like, and I think it's amazing. So, um, yeah, I was actually just playing with something that was going to reference every one of my other series in this new half book just randomly. There's going to be a. Oh a magical item that gives out prophecies but not for whoever's holding it so it's just going to give out random ones depending on who's holding it <laughs> so it's useless sort of uh until right. they, they figure out how it better to control it but uh i thought it'd be fun to make some of those random ones about like other characters in my series and various nice. series just you know little one-off things for people who've read a bunch of my books because that's fun oh, yeah that's great yeah that's great and the the fact that people can jump in and still have a, you know, good understanding of what's going on or the, you know, diehard fans will just be like so excited. That's great. That's always the hope. Like you don't want to, you don't want anyone to be confused. You want anyone to just, I mean, it's harder like in the middle of a series. It's like, you kind of expect people to start at the beginning, but uh, like if, if, I don't want to start like a spin-off series and then make it be entirely something you'd have to go back and read three books before you understand anything. Like, yeah, right. it's it's more like Easter eggs and everything that you will need to know will be completely explained if anyone happens to show up. <laughs> that, nice. That's fantastic. I'm I'm very excited for this now. So James, have you like been able to have you been <laughs> able to get a lot of writing done during this time? Um, you know, of the pandemic. It's been, it's definitely been harder. Uh, my deadlines haven't changed. So that sort of, it, it, that helps to keep me focused. Um, but it's just generally kind of getting into a creative space and staying off the news can be hard. And I, I've seen that also online from a bunch of other authors just being like, how anyone expects to write or, you know, be creative during this time. I don't know. So it's, uh, and Revenge of Magic, uh, which is the series I was finishing up, like uh, back in March, it's it's kind of one of my more serious, definitely more serious and sort of more yeah. emotional uh, series, and a lot of stuff with family, a lot of stuff with family, um, and I don't know how much of that came about, like just over the last couple of years, but like it's certainly, you know, just not having family around certainly kind of affected the ending and. Um, yeah. So that that play, it's it's so hard to like separate yourself from the world when you're writing these kind of things. Um, mm-hmm. The fairy tale world is a little easier because it's, you know, Revenge of Magic was so much. I was trying to make a a book, a school for magic book that took place in our world. Uh, right. But um, the new half upon a time thing, which I'm writing now, is much easier just because it's like, I not only can I kind of go back, fall back into that more sarcastic kind of playful tone, which is, <laughs> uh, it's like honestly kind of a uh, a joy just to um just to have fun with like the writing as opposed to i mean not that revenge of magic wasn't fun but like uh not feel so deeply emotional <laughs> when i'm writing it and it can be right. like <laughs> it can be complicated and like lena is definitely 
like trying to figure out where she belongs and everything. But like, you know, then I'm making a joke. Her, she has a giant cat. Uh, it's not a giant cat. She she increases its size so it's her size. Uh, and she's put a hat on it so that she can understand it. And she's put boots on it uh, because it takes their magical boots. They're seven league boots, so it gets around the giant world a little faster. So it's basically my Puss in Boots character, but he speaks his his translation. He's not like a an anthropomorphic Puss in Boots. He's just a cat. So his translations are all like uh, about like eating and running away from things and stuff so it's and she just rides them around because they're best friends and it's just adorable so like writing stuff like that is so much easier that's so great. that's awesome yeah than writing about like ancient terrors that are coming back to destroy the world <laughs> for some yeah, reason i could see that being putting you in a different like headspace yes, yeah a little bit just, definitely not that there aren't bad guys in this book but it's just like the fairy tales are just slightly they just have these and like being able to write ridiculous magical items is always fun like this there's there's some part of me that just likes to mess with all this stuff and so yeah now you mentioned like you said a, a cat that grows giant yes are you like lloyd alexander i, I don't know if how much beyond oh my those books you gosh. read but he loves cats and he makes a giant cat yeah i completely forgot about that one in uh the castle of lear the third book yeah. of the Prydain, there's lion the big giant cat that's right see i'm stealing stuff from him left and i completely forgotten about that and the weird thing is I'm actually deliberately stealing something from him because I, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this much. So in the giant realm, like um, in the first series, Jack had to steal some magical items from a giant uh, living in the right. clouds. And they were really, they were pretty powerful. Um, in this, in Lena's little village here, uh, there is a giant in charge who has like uh, a more powerful magical item. And I was like, when I was plotting this out, I was like, I really need something that can be like incredibly powerful that everyone's going to want something like, I don't know, some kind of cauldron. <laughs> and so <laughs> I was like, let me look up those original Welsh fairy tales so that I'm not stealing. I'm stealing from something he stole from. Right. And, right. <laughs> and the black cauldron came from a giant. And I was like, well, I didn't realize oh. that. And so I, <laughs> I, I made it different, but I, and it's to them, it's the size of a thimble. So it's referenced as a thimble. Um, <laughs> but it's, and it's different. It's a healing cauldron. So it, but it's okay. got the same kind of, uh, there's a question whether if somebody were sort of dead, whether it would bring them back. Uh, oh my God. So I thought that was fun, but I was like, I hope people don't think that I'm just stealing from, and now I'm realizing with the giant cat, I'm just going to get it. Uh, <laughs> I'd completely forgotten oh. about the cat in uh, yeah. the Castle of Lear. I will tell you, James, we have some cat fanatic listeners yes. to oh, our nice. show. Shout they're out to Josh be, and Rachel. <laughs> they're going to be yeah. very excited about the cat. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think, I mean, I haven't read what you've written, obviously, but having those types of, like, you had an assistant pig keeper in uh, <laughs> one of the, yeah. I mean, just straight up. And yep. I, to me, like, when, because our kids, uh, Audrey had read Half Upon a Time before she read you know, the Lloyd, the Alexander. Name, Lloyd yeah. Alexander. And then just now they're rereading through half upon a time. So when it came to the assistant pig keeper, she was like, Oh my gosh. Cause she didn't know the reference the first time. So, Oh, that's a um, good point. Yeah. I, I figure if I make it so blatant that it's, it's obviously like a reference that it's okay. And hopefully yeah. no oh, one's going to sue me. Uh, definitely. And also like, it wasn't a main character The the, and I'm not, I'm not so worried about the cat because this cat is really stupid. He's based off one of my cats. 
uh, and just so so dumb, but in adorable ways. Uh, but yeah, the I was a little worried about the uh, the cauldron, but uh, I am I am really like referencing the original. Uh, and I love as soon as right. I found out that it came from Giants, I was like, oh come on, that's got to be that's in there. perfect. Yeah. Now, um, this is uh, just sort of a little bit of left turn here, but in listening back through our old interviews, like the last time we spoke. You were like dancing around whether or not that you were going to go full time as an author. And I'm wondering, like, if it's okay to talk about, like, where, how has your journey taken you in the last few years? It feels like you've put out books more frequently and things are going well. So, what, what's, uh, how are things going? Uh, not bad. I mean, I think everything is weird over like the past six months because including publishing. Um, but yeah, I so they wanted to put Revenge of Magic out every six months. So I've been writing those every like four months. Um, and so, yeah, writing has been a lot quicker and a lot less kind of time to uh, <laughs> mess up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I went full time as a writer and it's I'm so far not homeless. So that's that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but it's I mean, I think it's going well. Everything is changing and publishing, though. So it's all very strange. Like I've played around with um, like some ideas for picture books just to see like how that would go. Uh, see what might hmm. come of that, because I thought that would be fun. Um, yeah. My picture books get really meta, though, which I I'm like, that's just part of the brand. Right. And my agent's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> not not for kids. Picture books can't be meta. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they can't. He was he was saying I was kind of thinking of them as comics, which I was like, I'll I'll write the dialogue and I'll script it and say what the picture needs to be, and then that would like that would just that would speak back to whatever my point was with the the words, right? And he's like, no, <laughs> that's that's what the artist does. They get to decide all of that. Uh, you just write the words, and I was like, "Oh, so like, interesting." Yeah, huh. I don't know if that works the way, uh, especially. I mean, if you're a writer artist, you can do whatever you want, and then uh, I'm sure right. there are people who can write a book and have tell ex- the artist exactly what they want. You know, if they're if they've written a bunch or if they're famous or whatever. But for me, <laughs> he was like, "You just need to write a story, and they will figure out what to illustrate." So you don't get to tell them that. I was like, "Oh, it's not a comic." <laughs> I'm thinking maybe, like, at least in schools, like, we need shorter books Mm -hmm. um, to, like, you know, have children's literature that's, like, shorter for our kids. And I'm sure with the pandemic, like, teachers are, like, scrambling and asking, like, we need these shorter um, storybooks that we can read in a short time and then discuss and reflect. That makes sense. But... I don't know. I'm always thinking about that way. What can I do to make to make children's literature, you know, come alive to the students over a screen? Yeah. So I don't know if you have any ideas for me, James. There. <laughs> I I'm the least visual person ever. Like you will see during my readings. If you take a look at my YouTube channel, it's I. Um, I did readings of like the first ten chapters of each of my series, the first books, and I am the least. Like, uh, I, I just don't think visually at all. Like everyone is the exact same camera angle of me sitting at my desk and just, you just stare at me as I read when I have no idea how bad they are. I, I turned off comments cause I just didn't really want to even hear it. Just like, if anyone wants this, this is great. It's out there. It's like a, a free audiobook for at least some of it. Um, turned out to be a lot of hours though. Like when they all add up, um, right. I would imagine so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did have, uh, I, I shouldn't say this. I was talking to somebody about um, 
I was suggesting a graphic novel to somebody involving one of Ooh. my one of my series um, that's Ooh. already come out, and uh, she was like, "How would you get somebody who read a graphic novel back into your prose books?" And I was like, "Oh, well, say this series is a more meta series about somebody who can jump into books, and this is a graphic novel about the boy magician and his seven book series." Like, then I could do another book that references how there's a graphic novel series coming out about this character and what the actual character thinks of that because maybe there's like a new version of him. And then it's like, <laughs> sorry. Whoa. That might have gotten so, a little too vague and complicated. But I was no, like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> but I was like, that I might started. be fun to, uh, to do like a, a prose book that speaks to a graphic novel and a graphic novel that speaks to a prose book and you kind of have to read both to get the full story, which is not in ah, any way helpful totally. for teaching uh, remotely. But it was just, <laughs> I was just, it was no, along it's... the same lines of trying to figure out how to get people kind of interested moving from one to the other. Uh, so yeah, not, I, not I mean, helpful. graphic novels are huge for, I teach third grade. Mm-hmm. Graphic novels are huge for, you know, because basically in this grade we're teaching kids to have a love for reading like they've learned how to read at this point right but how do they like develop that love of reading and one way i've found for reluctant readers is graphic novels are huge they're great all of a sudden they're like just you know devouring books because they're in graphic novel form so i say whatever motivates exactly one can lead into the other too and it does yeah yeah, so I'm fully for it. So is this hypothetical graphic novel <laughs> like is there is there any possibility this is actually happening are you saying? Uh I don't know. Uh, okay. uh no, I I that's that's as honest as I mean I'm not even <laughs> that's the completely honest answer. I'm okay. I'm vague about like everything else, but I honestly have no idea. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I would love to do it. Like I always get questions about this boy magician's books. Like when are you gonna write them? Uh-huh. And I was like, the, f- the the last book in the series is written in the first book of the one you've read. You already know everything that happens. But like I I plotted them all out. I thought it'd be fun to do them. They each have like um the important like twists at the end of what happens to get through his life story. And it's like that would be really cool to do as graphic novels. And then to have yeah. the prose character look at his graphic novel character and be like. Why did they change things? <laughs> <laughs> and have them meet oh, and question each other and stuff. That is fantastic. I thought that'd be uh, fun. The meta nature of some of the stuff you have done is just mind blowing. The the last time that we interviewed you, this is we'll show how long ago it was, we were awaiting the um we were awaiting Pick the Plot to be released. And you had teased some information about it. Obviously now at this point um, I've had a chance to do it, and the way you made that book work, it is still mind blowing. I still go back and look at it and go, "Oh my gosh, this is just genius." Thank you for so, saying that it worked. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> did. I appreciate that. It's it was pretty mind blowing to try to figure out, um, and I and that was with a lot of cheating. Like I I I cheated left and right. Like I made every choice. I didn't because I didn't want people to kind of get into dead ends. So every choice right. led back to something, and like at at a certain point, you make a big decision that takes you to the past or the future. And I cheated then, and was like, suddenly the choices stop working. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, but it made it so that you didn't feel like, because I, you know, when I read a Choose Your Own Adventure, I want to read every ending, and it made yeah. it feel like I wasn't missing out on anything, but I also knew I'd completed it, and there was a, you know, a resolution, even though I got to choose how we got there. I, it was just great. Oh, was, thank I you. I loved it. That, that was, uh, so I get asked, like, a lot, like, what's your favorite book or whatever, and that's always, I, that was certainly most challenging, and I'm sort of the most proud that it was, it came out as well if it did as it did uh just because of yeah it it, that basically just started as like i was just gonna do it as a time travel book and then uh i it might have even been when i first met you on tour in california and i was just like you know it'd be fun (laughs) let me do do a choose your own adventure book that would be cool and then i was like oh i actually would have to do that but it sounds so fun Well, it it worked out great, and it was very fun uh, for the reader as well. So great, I'm really fantastic glad job. <laughs> well, um, as I mentioned earlier, we do have um, uh, the Vecchio Book Club readers, and um, we were wondering if you might be willing to answer a quick question from our two members that are here in the house. Of course, let's do it. All right, so first up, I have here Luke. He is our son, and he just turned 10 years old. Hey, Luke. Hello, Mr. Riley. Hey. <laughs> um, my question is, um, from reading your books, I can tell you like fairy tales. Yes. So what was your favorite fairy tale as a kid? Oh, that's a tough question. So the easy question is, like, what was my favorite Disney movie fairy tale, which was The Little Mermaid, because that came out... Like when I was, uh, I think I was like 10 um, and I saw it a bunch of times in theaters and I loved it, but I'd already been reading fairy tales all along and I'd been like checking out all these, even like more than the Brothers Grimm and like Hans Christian Andersen, I was checking out all these crazy fairy tales that you don't often hear. And there's so many weird ones. Like there's one called Donkey Cabbages, which is just <laughs> really odd. And it's about somebody who turns into a donkey after they eat a cabbage. I mean, it's, it's right there in the title, but it's still like, it's not one you hear about often. Uh, so my favorite one, oh, I don't, I don't know. I, it might just be just a classic Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah, I like Jack and the Beanstalk too. <laughs> yeah, it's one of my favorites and it's like, it's like everything that's good about fairy tales. It's about a boy who makes a mistake selling his cow and then it's like, oh, but it also could lead to you the end of your life by climbing a beanstalk. Oh, and there's also a giant up there and then he proceeds <laughs> to just make all kinds of bad choices, but it ends up okay. So that's... That's the kind of character I can like sympathize with. Somebody who makes horrible choices trying to do the right thing and makes all kinds of mistakes. Um, thank you for answering my question. Sure. And it was nice talking to you. Nice to talk to you too. Thanks for the question. Okay. All right. And then over here we have Audrey and she is um, about to turn 12. Hey, Audrey. Hello, Mr. Riley. Um, so my question was, well, I have read all of your books, oh, and you. I've read some of them more than once, Wow! and you inspire me to write books of my own. So do you have any advice for younger writers who are just starting out? Uh, yes. And it sounds like you're already doing it by, first piece of advice would be to read as much as you can, and uh, yeah. and kind of try to look at what you either like or don't like, and, and figure out, like, for the stuff you like, uh, kind of see if you can pick apart, like, what parts you really like. Uh, and why you like them 
I mean, uh, it's kind of like I used to go back and read books that I, I loved. And I realized I, there were certain characters that I really loved. And I tried to figure out why and like what it was about them that, that made me like um, just made them so important when I was reading and like made them mean so much to me. And then even if you read books you don't like, that can be actually a lot more fun as a writer. You can um, try to figure out how you would have done it differently. Uh, how you would change the story or change a character or even like add in a completely new character, things like that. Um, And that can get your imagination going and you can kind of figure out all kinds of stuff just from something that maybe wasn't even that much fun for for you when you were reading it. Um, And then the other suggestion is kind of uh, not as much fun maybe, but it's to write as much as you can because the more you write, like the, the better you'll get at it. It's just like practicing anything. Like you'll, if you are learning soccer, or playing the guitar or something, the more you do it, the better you get, right? So it's, it's exactly the same with writing. Like even if you, it doesn't matter what you're writing and you don't have to write the same story, but the more you do it, the better you'll kind of get. Uh, I actually wrote a whole book uh, before Half Upon a Time, which was the first book that came out from me. Um, and it, I made so many mistakes in writing it and it was the first book and it wasn't very good and no one will ever read it. But like doing that and making all those mistakes, I figured out how to write a better book with half upon a time, hopefully. Uh, and so I, I didn't make those same mistakes and I, I, I hopefully like improved just by writing that whole other book. And since you're 12 and you're starting way earlier, I, I didn't start writing until I was like, I didn't start writing a book until I was like 22. So you've got 10 years on me. <laughs> To get advantage there. Yes, yeah. you will be you will be in a great shape to to sell all your books. So just keep <laughs> practicing as much as you can about anything that like appeals to you. You can write about whatever you want. Thank Even you, nonfiction. Mr. Riley. Oh, thank <laughs> you. It's fun talking to you. Thanks for the question. That was great. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks to the Vecchio Book Club members there for for joining us. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. And thank you, James. Not only were those great answers, but you made us like parents of the year now. So yeah. that was major. <laughs> they, you should have seen their faces. They were like <laughs> so excited to talk to you. Aw, that's the best. <laughs> the kids at school are all going to be jealous now, too. Yes. I know they're going to probably talk about it, you know. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> it's hard. I, I can't. I mean, like, I can't internalize that because it's just me sitting in front of my computer. <laughs> You know, getting no respect from my cats, but like, <laughs> I imagine that it, it's a really nice thing. <laughs> oh, it is. Like Audrey in particular has spread the word of your books. Like she's made any friends of, her, of hers at school read your books so that they can That's... then like play pretend games during like recess. They'll like you know act out storylines from it and stuff. Like you know, that's the biggest compliment. Like anyone who <laughs> passes along or recommends a book is just so they're doing so much for that author and or whoever it's just i mean it, it's nice because you're recommending a book that you like so like it's something you do for your friends anyway but like that just means so much as a like an honor and also like as just getting the word out it's so nice so i can't tell you how much i appreciate that well speaking of that uh do you have any what have you been reading lately what's your current recommendations uh so this isn't the same i don't read a ton of middle grade because i'm not really eight to 12 anymore but (laughs) i do read some of it it just kind of um i i tend to read the stuff that's a little more all ages but a book i just loved was actually a ya book by naomi or naomi novik um it's called a deadly education and it was amazing it was about sort of 
it was a school for magic where the kids go to avoid getting hunted down by evil magical creatures out in the real world. Anyone who it's kind of like a Harry Potter situation where the kids in this world, there are normal kids and then there are kids with magic. Right. But the kids with magic get hunted by magical creatures for their magic. So they get sent to this school, which is like designed to protect them uh, for four years. Um, But unfortunately the monsters have gotten into the school too. And so when they graduate, they have to fight their way out. Uh, so the whole time they're there, they're like trying to make like these alliances. It's like got this Hunger Games vibe, but not the same. They're trying to like team up with other kids, and they're all trying to like um, jockey for position and like magical items that they can use and learning spells that will help them get out. Uh, it's amazing. It was called the Deadly Education, and it's the first in three books, and it like just came out a week ago or something, and I blew through it. Ooh. Nice. Yeah. Very. So I was like very excited about that one. And you said you said that was like all ages, or is it still a juvenile, or is that a middle age book, like you were saying? That's a YA. It's like older. It's definitely teens. Like it's Got it's it. pretty young violent. Adult. Young adult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, let me think about middle grade. There have been books that I've been really enjoying, um, and but I'm always blanking on titles. I just read uh, Frog Kisser by um, Garth Nix. That was a lot oh. of fun. Audrey just read um, that one she too. She did yeah. just read that. Yeah. She put I mean, it away I, real fast. When I first wrote Half Upon a Time, I avoided all fairy tales because I was like, I don't want to be influenced by anything. <laughs> right. And now I'm like, I'm going to be influenced anyway, so I'm just going to read fairy tales while I'm writing one. So that's actually how I discovered Naomi Novik because she wrote some older, like teenage YA kind of uh, fairy tales. Huh. And they were great. And so I just got on a fairy tale binge and I read Frog Kisser. Um, there were a few others. Uh, a lot of weirdly, I was like looking for fairy tales for adults just to see like how those worked and like what the differences would be. And obviously, some of them are like more adult situations, but a lot of them are are really just more kind of like uh, just a little more cynical tale or like a way of making it more about like adult life, which I thought was really kind of fascinating. Huh. So, yeah, a lot of I, I've been on a weird fairy tale binge until I got, I, and the reason I picked up this new book was because it was by an author who I discovered was amazing, and I wanted to read all of her stuff. I love that feeling, like finding an author, and you're like, I have to read everything that they put yeah. out now. Yeah, and especially uh, when there's like this whole backlist, and you're like, <gasps> yeah. oh, another another author is her name is uh, Shannon, and it's spelled S E A N A N McGuire. Okay. Um, and she writes a book about, uh, she writes a series, I'm blanking on the name of the series, I think it's called The Wayward Children, um, and each book is about, it's about a school that takes in kids who had portal adventures t- to other worlds, and made it mm-hmm. back, but uh, can't find their way back to the other world, and they want to go back, and their parents send them there because they're not able to kind of like, get back into society, uh, and this woman takes in all these kids, she was a portal child herself. Um, so it's like all these different, it's, it's almost, it's got this, I mean, it doesn't have a story these vibe, but it has like, <laughs> it has like a genre vibe where it's like, they all go to different types of worlds. So some of them go to like a uh, mermaid world. Some of them, one of them went to like a cotton candy, irrational kind of world. Uh, there's, so everything was like Alex, Alice in Wonderland. So she's still kind of, uh, is on that wavelength and, and everything is irrational to her it's just it's an amazing examination of that kind of stuff while also feeling like a fairy tale kind of in the writing so those books are amazing too those are a little older as well yeah i've been finding myself doing a lot more teenage stuff for whatever reason 
We, I don't know, like for me, it's like, um, it takes me, I have to do so much reading for work that's like boring, nonfiction, (laughs) like research based education Mm -hmm. that reading young adult novels and just, um, younger novels, like it really gets, separates me from work, you know, like even though, um, I teach elementary school. I mean, I really enjoy it too. Yeah. So, and Phil reads everything. He reads. Yeah. <laughs> he dabbles in everything. I do. It's. I always try to like. I think of it honestly as like middle grade is like all ages. Like it's appropriate for people like you know seven, eight up to like thirteen, fourteen, and then it's. But anyone can read it, and hopefully you've you know the best of it is like a Pixar movie where it's like anyone can sit down right. and get everything out of it or get the the part out of it that they need, and then someone else will get something completely different. So that's I I love it for that reason um, as well as just like sometimes you want it's not less complicated, but it's it's more straightforward, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like adult stuff is usually more layered and stuff for uh middle grade and YA it's just it just kind of shoots right to the point um a little more uh unless you complicate your books like some of us do um but it's <laughs> it's it's kind of just it's nice for that reason and it it makes escaping a little easier if you're looking for escapism mm-hmm. um it makes kind of like the uh it's it's easier to have like adventures and stuff in that kind of uh that those kind of uh age groups i don't know there's so many good things about it that like I can see why people of all ages are kind of seeking it out, especially now. And yeah. it's come a long way um, since like Sweet Valley Twins was where yeah. it was at. <laughs> and, you know, you polish a couple of those off a night. Yeah, and sure. I was telling Phil about one like that I just really wanted to find, but I couldn't remember the name of it. And for my birthday this year, he surprised me. He found like an old copy on eBay. Wow. It was like um, the Sweet Valley Twins go to an amusement park. They're like sucked <laughs> into this ride, into this fantasy world. <sighs> and like, you know, they they became part of the story. So I was like telling Amazing. him about it. Yeah, it sounds really great, right? So then um, when I read it, I was like, this is not as good as Didn't I remember. <laughs> this is, you know... It, it's come a long way, middle age and young adult yeah. over the years. And it's more accessible. Yeah, I feel like Harry Potter helped that so much. Just like it it not only like um made publishers realize that like this was actually they could <laughs> make money off this. Right. right. So they, they were taking in more books, but it was also like I think a lot of authors, including me, realized that you could write books that uh for kids that like you would want to read yourself. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they're, they're universal things we all want to read. And like, uh, so it kind of opened a lot of people's eyes. And then I think there was just like this huge influx of people. And you see it all the time. Like Garth Nix writes adult books and then he writes fairy tales and stuff. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I'll, and I'll, I, I see that a lot with YA, especially like people will write, uh, they'll just switch all around. And I'm like, I don't understand how you do that. I don't understand how you don't accidentally curse or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's what editors are for, but uh, yeah, it's I I love that, and I think everyone kind of it's 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 a great place to visit, even if you don't want to stay long. Whereas some of us are just gonna probably end up living here. 
Yeah. Like Janelle said, I like to read a wide variety of things. So, mm-hmm. like last week, I read an Agatha Christie book, and this week mm-hmm. I'm reading a, like short stories for kids. So, you know, it goes nice. all over the place. But my yeah. this is my my current recommendation, and it's it's not current at all. It's an old book, but I just came across it recently, and um, it's by an author named Paul Fleischman. He is he's related to Sid Fleischman. I don't know if you ever read The Whipping Boy. Uh, that name sounds familiar, but I don't think the the title does. He also, and then the other one he did was uh, By the Great Horn Spoon. Does that ring a bell? No. These are ones like the kids the have read in, in school recently. Anyway, uh, it's his son, and the book that I just picked up is called Graven Images. Um, and it's like short stories that are, I mean, you know, again aimed at somewhat of a younger audience. This book is from 1982, so this is not a new (laughs) recommendation at all, but I just was blown away when I picked this up, and it's the kind of thing where now I see that he's written a ton of other stuff, and that's my next goal is to find everything he's ever written. So Nice. Yeah, I just looked him up. he will complete his collection. He always does. The weirder thing is honestly when, like, um, so I was looking at Naomi Novik's other books, and I realized I'd read one of her other books before she did this like napoleonic war situation like a an alternate fantasy historical thing where britain had dragons during the napoleonic wars and it was called i think her, the first book was like uh her majesty's dragon or something i can't I, i'm blanking but um it i wasn't a fan because i'm not really a historic person but um so I, I I realized I had tried that, and the the funny thing to me is when you you get so engrossed in an author, and then you find they've gone in a completely different direction on something, and you're like, that's not for me at all. But I I love that. I like that they're just, uh, they're just I don't know. It's 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 satisfying to me as like a reader that they are getting so much out of doing completely different books, where it's almost like this sounds like a different author completely. That may not be a universal thing. Yeah, just I've had that happen a few times where I'm like, I love this author, and I have no connection to this one book that they wrote, but I'm sure they enjoyed writing it. I've mentioned before to you that I love William Goldman, who wrote The Princess yeah. Bride, amongst many other things, and that's a he's a great example where from book to book, I mean, there's obviously common things that he does, but they're like widely different, you know, uh, yeah. subject matter and the way that he presents them and stuff. Some of them are almost kid-friendly, and many of them are definitely not. And I, I do love seeing an author explore different types of expression like that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you ever read uh, Silent Gondoliers? No, I picked it up. I And then I picked up... That's the sequel to Princess Bride, right? Yeah, sort of semi-sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I picked that up, and then I picked... Because I never read the Princess Bride through either, so I picked that up, um, and it's deep in a pile i can actually see it in my bookshelf (laughs) okay we all have those bookshelves yeah (laughs) i know it's sad because there's so many books i'd love to read and then like it's not even that i don't have time it's that something new comes up and it's like oh i gotta read this right now well i'll tell you there's something to be said though for um hoarding books because as we all know you know six and a half seven months ago whatever Everything kind of shut down, and our local library, which you know we were regulars oh, yeah. and visit on a regular basis, uh, you know, was closed down obviously. And so, and I like to read physical books. Well, I had such a great backlog of library out in our like you know book room that the kids have had plenty to read. I've had plenty to read this whole time, and 
you know, if I hadn't hoarded all those books all this time, we might have been in a different situation. And tell James about the texting book game you play. Ooh. <laughs> this is funny. Like, my mom and a couple of her friends invited me to this thing. It's so silly, but it's basically people that have, like, way too many books, right? And yeah. e- each person takes turn and they suggest some kind of category of book. Like, it might be a book with a title that starts with the letter Q or a book that deals with a reptile or we try to get as obscure and bizarre as we can. And then each person (laughs) has to snap a picture of their copy of whatever book that fits that category and send it to the group text. And then, you know, it's very rare that someone doesn't have one that fits it because we all have way too many books. That's amazing. And there's no, there's no winner, but Phil always claims he wins. (laughs) (laughs) Do you then have to read that book, or is it a quicker game where it's like... No, it's, this just, is just a okay. quick game, just just to show that you have it, because um, we all are reading tons of stuff anyway, but that way, right. you know, sometimes we'll go through two or three categories in a day if everyone's, like, hanging out near their books, you know? <laughs> so that's a great way to remember stuff. Like, that's, that's... My biggest problem is I'll pick up a book based on, like, I'll see a recommendation, and I'm like, that sounds amazing, and then, like, maybe it's... Maybe I'm pre-ordering it, so it comes in six months later. I'm like, I have no idea where this came from or why I bought it. <laughs> but uh, like, just going back and uh, like every so often, I'll try to like purge the collection, and I never do. But like, I'll go back and I'm like, oh, that's why I wanted this book. And then suddenly, you're just off, and you're reading like half a dozen <laughs> new things. So I was looking back at, um, or I was listening back to the interviews you did um, before with Phil. And mm-hmm. you had talked about um, Twitter. So I have a little like teaching Twitter. So I was like, I followed you and I went and was looking. Mm-hmm. And um, I saw that this was, this has been like your 10 years since you released your first book series. Yes. So That's are there any like special anniversary plans or anything uh, like that coming up? I. I suggested that a little while ago. Um, I had some ideas. I Things are um, kind of all over the place with publishing now, but it sounds like they're thinking about it, especially because they're going to be more half upon time books coming out. Mm. So there may be yes. some kind of like, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm always down to play however they want. So I'm, I'm like, I'll write new short stories. I'll write new chapters, whatever would be kind of fun. Um, because that's the kind of stuff I would want as right. a reader. So like anything, um, anything that kind of like makes it feel like a more, it's like a, uh, an ultimate edition of like a, a movie or something where it's like, Oh, you get the director commentary and you get the deleted scenes and everything like, Oh, I would totally buy that again. Right. Um, <laughs> cause that's just how I do it. So, um, I, I had some suggestions for them. And we'll see like what happens. We'll see if it comes. I think it's going to be, yeah, I imagine they will, it will be, you know, late if they do any, if they did like a 10 year anniversary edition of Half Fun of Time or something, it would probably come out with the new series, which won't be out till like um, 2022, I think. It'll be out a year from March. I also saw on your Twitter the um, Zoom writing workshops you're doing. Oh, yeah. So tell us about those too. Um. So I was actually, I was going to do a writing workshop in person back in like April. And then that got pushed for obvious reasons to, uh, they, they pushed it to September 1st or to September originally um, to see if like the pandemic was going to be over. And then like around 
um, May, they were just like, all right, we're just going to do this virtually. So um, I had never really done, I, I've done Skype visits and stuff with schools. So, um, and, but that's usually just kind of Q&A. So it was different hmm. doing it. Um, I, I've, I've actually, that was my first writing workshop too. So I, I really just wanted to kind of please everybody and be like, whatever you want to talk about, I will go into. Uh, and we had like, we had two girls in elementary school and then the rest were adults. So the adults all had various questions about like publishing and writing and stuff. And then the two girls were like, uh, do you have any writing prompts for us? So I was like going back and forth between doing writing prompts for them. And they fortunately had read my books. Uh, so I was like, all right, um, what's your favorite of the books that you've read of mine? And I was like, all right, can you do that scene in like Revenge of Magic from the other character's perspective or something like that? So they, they did that and I think had some fun, hopefully, um, while I was like going into um, horrible stories about publishing and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm, it. I'm always more honest when people have to pay for something (laughs) and and it's probably not going to be posted online. So I'm like, well, let me tell you some stories. (laughs) Do you ever get in those people that haven't read your books? Like, is it ever like obvious someone doesn't know? I, I assumed that anyone uh, like that. This was, these were people who were kind of used to the Arizona. It was in Arizona. So I, I assumed they'd gone to other writing workshops in person before and they just like, oh, I, here's a published author. I'll just go ask them questions. So I assumed that nobody had read my books, oh, but okay. it turned out um, a few of them had. I, I just, I, I, everything I was talking about was like um, very generic. And I was like, this is how I do things. This is how I found an agent. Uh, this is how I do drafts. Like I, I just kind of went over everything I could and then answered whatever kind of questions I could. Huh. So it, was, it wasn't so much, there's just no way to kind of like go over their writing on a, on a mm-hmm. Zoom. Yeah, I yeah. or if there was, I didn't know how to do it. Um, so, and I think everyone uh, kind of was a little more flexible because of that, which was nice. But um, I, I have done a thing in person in a bookstore, which was a, a surprise. I didn't know it was happening until I got to the bookstore. They were like, "We've been uh, we've been saying this is going to be like a seminar, so kids can come in and you'll write a story together." And I was like, "Oh." <laughs> So we did, and it actually, it was a lot of fun, and I just kind of ad-libbed the whole thing, but, like, it, the fun part was, like, I we we made up characters together, we made up a story, and the the great part was, like, all the lessons I probably would have taught anyway came up naturally. It was like, huh. okay, so your character's on a cliff, how do you get them out of that? What if you have a problem and you have to walk it back, and you, you, you know, maybe they shouldn't be on that cliff because you can't really think of a good way to get them off of it. <laughs> Uh, but like that kind of stuff came up so I could actually use it as like teaching moments. And then I also discovered that the kids were bloodthirsty. They're like, let them fall. And I was like, Oh <laughs> no, we need these characters. It's yeah, great. There was this one girl that just was like, they fall on spikes and there's blood everywhere. And I was like, well, they're your main characters. You don't want to just kill them. She's like, this they don't why die. the whole fictional world uprising situation happened. Right. In the first place. Mm-hmm. Because authors are bloodthirsty. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, I have to ask because it's obligatory and I always want to know, is there any information or any news about any sort of uh, additional adaptations, perhaps in the film or television category that we might be looking forward to? Uh, Usually I would say that there's like, um, oh, you know, people are interested because maybe somebody is. But uh, so Revenge of Magic got optioned, and unfortunately, that didn't go anywhere. But this is not really the time. I well, I I I might be wrong. 
this this might not be the time for the kind of movie I would they would have made with Revenge of Magic. Right. Um, okay. So yeah, like uh, for a second, it was maybe going to be an animated series on Netflix, which would have been cool. Um, cool. And there was also weirdly separate completely different people who are like interested in making story thieves into an animated series on netflix and i thought that would be really cool uh but neither one unfortunately went forward so right now there is nothing but who knows that's where it's at right now everything's on hold yeah yeah but i like animation i feel like is it's not necessarily the worst time because a lot of it sounds like a lot of animators can do it remotely and then Right. It takes right. so many years anyway that it's if you can get something like on Netflix or something, it's it's not a terrible time. But uh that's and I think that would work really well for something like Story Thieves. I think that'd yeah, be totally. a lot of fun. Well, especially with now an expanded universe on the horizon, <laughs> there's room for more. That's that's fantastic. Well I mean who can say? We'll see. Hmm. <laughs> well we'll ho- we're holding out hope. Always would love to see that. Now we uh, probably should start to bring things to a close, but Janelle wanted to ask you about uh, something else that's not necessarily book-related. Yes, <laughs> so we're huge Disney fans, too. Yes. Uh, Phil and I are both former cast members. Nice. And um, we actually, get this, we were actually, in 2020, scheduled. We'd already booked it. We were going to hit all 12 Disney parks <gasps> around the world this oh. year. We got t-shirts made, we'd booked it, we had, like, we were oh. ready to go. Spring break, we were scheduled in March <laughs> to go to, to Paris <laughs> yep. to do oh. the Disneyland, and then over the summer, we'd booked to go to both Japan and the to uh, China, and China, Hong Kong. China and Hong Kong. Oh, there. wow. And we did go to Disney World. Yeah, we so started we, the year out with that. We started that world out, okay. or so we hit all four parks at Disney World, Um so that's awful yeah I it kind of didn't work out from there as you can imagine <laughs> but we're gonna do it in the future but that sounds like so a great thankful. plan yeah so we were cool. so thankful for that disney world trip and it just got me thinking since you said you grew up going to disney world mm-hmm. um what is your favorite restaurant at disney world your favorite attraction and your favorite park Ooh, so these will have changed a million times over the years because some, like, one of my favorite restaurants is no longer there. Um, Which one? It was called Captain Jack's, and it was this little non Disney restaurant at all. Just in, it used to be downtown Disney, and it's now um, uh, Disney Springs. Disney Springs. Springs. Yes. There's so many good restaurants in Disney Springs now. Um, But in terms of Disney restaurants, all right, I'm going to say two. Um, Okay. (laughs) I got engaged in Cinderella's uh, Royal Table. So that one. Um, and also, every time, you know, they, I don't know if you've been to Cinderella's Royal Table, they give you um, little plastic stars to make a wish on. And they like do this whole ceremony where you make a wish. Every wish that I've made and every wish that my wife has made on those stars has come true. So I don't know what's going on. They're with, magical stars. It's it's weird, though, yeah. how often it's like we've been i think twice now and both times both of our wishes came true so that's a little messed up but in a good way <laughs> phil and i have been a few times but it was a long time ago i don't like, remember this it wasn't thing. like hard to get into back when we i want to say like early 2000s it was like you just showed up and they yeah. let you in now it's a whole different it's ball game. I, I think it's the disney dining plan there because it it's it's become such a huge thing that um and people have to use it as opposed to just going to like a fast food thing. 
Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it makes the dinners more affordable to go to like a a, a princess a character anything character lunch character breakfast. Um, but also, I think it means that people don't skip out on those kind of things like they might have. Yeah. And they don't play yeah. it by ear, so everything has to be planned, which means you have to go. Or else you're like you're missing out, or you <laughs> you literally have to pay them sometimes. Right. So uh, I I think it's I think it's gotten busier because of that. Um, my other favorite would probably be like be our guest. Oh yeah, yeah, that was cool. We went there after you recommended it. Um, nice. Last and we time, had yeah. a really. I think we just did lunch there because again we couldn't get in for dinner. Yeah, it's so hard. And the, it was like the quick service, so I don't think it was the same experience. But the um, theming is pretty spectacular. But the theming yeah. was really cool, yeah. Yeah. Did you get to choose which room you sat in, at least? We. No. I don't remember if we got to choose, but we sat right next to the rose. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's the best room, anyway. That's The ballroom yes. is cool, but, like, yeah, sitting in the, the West Wing is yeah. very cool. Um, my favorite Disneyland restaurant would be um, Blue Bayou. But that's not what you oh. asked. Oh yeah, yeah. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so ride would have used to, like when I was growing up, it was Mr. Toad, but that doesn't exist any there there anymore. Mm-hmm. Now, and I've I've told people at Disney this: my favorite ride, and it's not a ride, and they're like, "That's an attraction," uh, is um, <laughs> Mickey's Philhar Magic because it makes me laugh so much, and I love Donald. Oh yeah. So it's not yes. the it's not like the best ride. But uh, and I haven't been on the new um uh resist rise of the resistance ride, so I don't even know if that's great. Uh, I'm sure it is. We got to go in February. Nice. <laughs> I did uh the Millennium Falcon ride at Disneyland because we went in November, so I I got to do that and that was amazing. And we were both pilots, uh, yes. so I was psyched. And my wife, who doesn't play any video games or anything, piloted perfectly. And I, who've grown up my entire life playing video games, crashed us into stuff left and right. <laughs> She's like, this isn't as bad as I thought. And I was like, what are you doing? I'm just, I'm hitting everything. Uh, so that was a fail. But um, okay. So and then uh, park. This is this is an outlier. I it used to be when I was really young. It was a Magic Kingdom, and then I was so excited when Hollywood Studios opened. It used to be the MGM Hollywood Studios. Yeah. Uh, because they had a, a working animation department there, and you could like watch the people mm-hmm. work. And I was so into animation. And that's kind of all gone anyway. But my favorite park now is Animal Kingdom because it's just so, uh, it's so well done. It's the animals are closer to you than any zoo that I've ever been to. Like, and mm-hmm. they're, they all seem happy and playful. Uh, the, the idea of going around now in the dark is amazing because you see all kinds of different animals. Yeah. Um, I, it's like the most peaceful park, even if it's crowded, because they have they've designed it so well. I've talked to the Imagineer who was in charge of it a lot, and he like inspires me on a personal level, and he's amazing. Um, and I, it's it's for whatever reason, it's just won me over completely. So that's that's my favorite park. All right, that's good. Good commentary. <laughs> I could go on for hours about Disney World. So you gotta go too. on Rise of the Resistance. I'm yeah, so excited. Right. We, um, I like followed all the blogs and I was like, you know, like watching everybody's Instagram stories, like before we went. So we got there. Um, we woke up really early, took a taxi. We're like, we're not going to trust a shuttle. Like we're (laughs) going to take a taxi. And I kid you not, it was like an hour wait to get into the parking lot for the taxi to drop us off. Wow. So... 
We left our hotel two hours before the park opened, and we barely squeezed in beforehand. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes before the park officially opened. Wow. So, like, I had my app open because you could only reserve the ride on the app. Right. So I have the app open, and then they make this big announcement, like, with Star Wars music. And I clicked it, and it wasn't... It just wasn't going. It was like overloaded. Anyways, I closed the app and reopened it and we got in group 98, (laughs) which they only guarantee like 40 or 50 groups a day. So we were just like on pins and needles all day. And then at like 6 p.m. they called our group. Yeah. Nice. We were so excited. (laughs) I, yeah, I... I'm kind of, well, I, at the time I was like, oh, I'll just wait. And then like I, we got the chance to go to Disneyland and I was super excited because I, I mean, Star Wars is like either my first or second love along with Disney stuff. And sure. like, so <laughs> we did Savi's workshop and everything. And like the fact that Rise of the Resistance hadn't opened, I was like kind of bummed about, but I was like, you know what? Maybe when they open the hotel at Disney World, we can go do that. And then it will mm-hmm. feel like, you know, it's all part of it. So it's okay. And then, yeah. I don't. I assume they're still going forward with the hotel, but I think um, I think so. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I think they were too far along. I just heard they were canceling a bunch of like construction, so I was a little worried. But I think they were yeah. too far along on that one. Hopefully, things get back to normal someday. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, James, uh, I think we've probably kept you a long time. I think I told you at 15 minutes, and I obviously and lied completely. So <laughs> <laughs> you're just this gonna edit kinda... it down. Yeah, yeah, people, yeah, yeah just, for just sure. Put it in a. Um, no, I. This is this is one of the reasons I love chatting with you um, and doing these because this is how it always goes. Like we have so much fun stuff to talk about, and oh yeah, that's great. So thank you for joining us. Yes, oh, thank of course, you so anytime. much. Always, always happy to do it. Before we let you go, um, where can people find you? What types of uh, stuff would you like to plug um, on the internet uh-huh. or wherever? You can, my official website is jamesreillyauthor.com, which I always forget to update. Um, I'm a little more accessible on either Facebook or uh, Twitter. And you can, um, Twitter's like underscore James Riley underscore and Facebook. You can probably find my author page just by searching. Uh, Instagram too, I think is James Riley Author. And then um, my YouTube channel, I think is James Riley Author Official. Because I don't... I don't know why I did that. I'm wondering if James Riley author wasn't available or something. <laughs> but that has all my readings if people are just looking to... Like, if they want to just try any of the books, they can hear me badly read from them. So <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again for joining us, and, and hopefully uh, we can do this again sometime soon. Sounds good to me. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. Thank you. That was amazing. James is so cool. Yeah, another big thank you to James for doing that with us. Like I said when we were interviewing, this is like the fourth time I've gotten a chance to do an interview with James. He's always just so much fun, and I think we have so much in common. You guys are kindred spirits, like as Anne would say. It always blows me away when he'll say an answer, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's me <laughs> talking to myself. <laughs> I did find that amusing. Yeah. I mean, anyway, cool guy. You guys, we cannot recommend his books enough. Make Seriously. sure you look them up. The Half Upon a Time series, um, the Story Thieves series, and his current series, 
with a new book that just came out, which is The Revenge of Magic. You can find it on Amazon or wherever you buy books. It's not just for kids, guys. It's great stuff. Oh, it is. It's absolutely... I've enjoyed it. I read them way before our kids were old enough to read them, so... Mm -hmm. um, It's really good. And as you said, I discovered him at the Scholastic Book Fair. That's right. All thanks to the book fair. (laughs) How many amazing books have we all discovered through book fairs in our lives? So many. <laughs> Write us in at mandarinorangeshow at gmail.com and uh, tell us what book you found. At a Scholastic at a Book Scholastic Fair. And we're not fair. talking about the posters and the big pins and the magnets. That we're stuff's talking, great too. But. We're talking about books. You know, your parent would give you money to spend and said, okay, you can get one poster, but then I want you to get some books. Okay, so <laughs> you had a different growing up than I did because mine was you can get one book. <laughs> Period. Well, multiple books. When Jeez. you come from like a Queen of Sheba over here. When you come from a home where one day a week you go to grandma's, and the other day you go to your dad's house, and another day you're at your mom's house, they each give you money for the book fair. Uh, so there's a plus. I can see that. <laughs> well, thank goodness for the library. That's all I can say. Yes. And. What better sentiment to leave you guys with than that? Thank goodness for the library, and thank goodness for James Riley. Um, you guys, if you do want to get in touch with us, make sure you write us at mandarinorangeshow at gmail.com. And, uh, we will answer. We will. Or you can message us on Facebook or Instagram, anywhere like that. I think that's going to do it for this episode, yes? Yes! Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Janelle, for co-hosting. You're so welcome. And for the Mandarin Orange Show, I'm Phil. And I'm Janelle. And we talk so you don't have to.